get it going yeah let's do it yeah welcome back to wtm watch this movie i am eric Mulder. so he says wrecked him damn near killed him joining me today is mr positivity brett how are you i love to have fun (laughs) speaking of which speaking of which Mr. Positivity is on Twitter nowadays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> should follow me. At Positively Wolf One. <laughs> Positively Wolf One. What made you decide to finally get on Twitter? I don't know. I just decided to do it finally. I don't know. For those of you wondering, his name is not listed on his Twitter feed. And I'm guessing you're not gonna post pictures of yourself. Not likely. <laughs> Brett lives off the grid, pretty much. <laughs> no Facebook. Maybe I'll catfish some people. <laughs> uh, only two of us in the studio today. <laughs> uh, Jason has submitted his resignation from the WTM podcast. Effective immediately. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, yeah, he just... Uh, He's sorry, but uh, he just couldn't commit the time anymore to the show. So Jason will no longer be on the show. No more Jason. Everybody's so heartbroken. Hey, let Jason us, might have had his fans out there. Who let, knows? Let us know if you're going to miss Jason. Maybe maybe if you do, we can talk him back into it. But we need you to tell us. Well, first step is to <laughs> having someone respond. <laughs> That'd be step one. Step two would be respond about something on the show, <laughs> about a specific episode. Well, step one is you got to follow at Positively Wolf One, <laughs> and then at me. Is that how, is that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> at me. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, I don't have my own personal Twitter account. I just use the show's account pretty much as my own. Yeah. Because um, I pretty much run that account. I run that shit, B. Run it. Who run it? Who run it? Who run it? That's three six mafia. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Jones isn't here to uh to corroborate. Yeah, corroborate your vast hip hop knowledge. My hip hop reference. Mm-hmm. Although Jones will be on the show on Monday, we're gonna record our top ten of the year in Oscar preview episode. So be looking forward to that next week. Today's just a recently seen episode. And then we're going to record Space Jam right after this, which was Jason's pick for the movie, but he's not going to be able to make her. 
This is, this is not the first time he's picked a movie and then not shown up for the episode. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's not. He's done it before. We're used to it. But uh, we thank him for his contributions. He uh, taught me a little bit about some of the sound quality stuff. He deleted things on all. my program. <laughs> yeah. He deleted our archive of audio. <laughs> he did do that. Uh, though that was almost as much as my fault as it was his. But that is in the past. We are moving into the future, taking WTM to the next level. Forward thinking. Yeah. So we're going to do Space Jam after this, and then, like I said, the top ten episode. And after that, tentatively, I think we're planning on doing a big, uh, I guess, slate of media and culture episodes. We're going to focus on movies that kind of examine media and culture and their relationship. Going to be interesting. Yeah. Kind of the... uh, commentary on the state of media today and in the past and of our culture Hmm. now and in the past but let's get into it all right what did you see clary what did you see what did you see brett if it's the one that i've seen you want to start with that one we can start with that do you want me to do it or do you want to do it well to give the deets yeah all right yeah i got the deets i can i can do it up we both saw Upgrade from 2018. It's directed by Leigh Wannell, also written by Leigh Wannell, uh, starring Logan Marshall Green, Melanie Viejo, Steve Danielson, Abby Creighton, Harrison Gilbertson, Benedict Hardy, Richard Cawthorn, Christopher Kirby, Kenny Lau, or Lowe. Betty Gabriel, that's pretty much it. Uh, Storyline, set in the near future, technology controls nearly all aspects of life. But when Gray, a self-identified technophobe, has his world turned upside down, his only hope for revenge is an experimental computer chip implant called STEM. So, I don't know, how much do you think is spoilers? Out of that description or what? Uh, Just talking about it going forward. (laughs) because i mean pretty much a lot that happens happens right in the beginning of the movie and then it's kind of a that's where the story jumps off right well i can't remember how much they put in the advertising either it's not like a super original story yeah because it's a it's a revenge movie Mm -hmm. um sci-fi action thriller there's yeah sci-fi elements um so it I've heard I've heard and seen it compared to a bunch of different movies from the past, like uh, RoboCop meets The Punisher meets something else. And yeah, I can um, see that. So uh, from that aspect, like a lot of the things you you may have seen, a lot of the elements you might have seen in other movies, I still really enjoyed it. I thought the fight scenes were fantastic. Um, it's a lot of fun, start to finish. Um, I thought it was, you know, pretty well written for something that, you know, you kind of know everything that's more or less going to happen from a a big picture standpoint. But they still had enough little, you know, tweaks and twists and turns to keep you on the edge of your seat and keep you guessing and catch you off guard. What did you think? Yeah, I thought the visuals were pretty terrific. I mean, this movie had a budget, but not a huge one. Yeah. You can tell they spent a lot of it in the visuals because they have Logan Marshall Green, who's been in some things, but he's not a huge name. 
Yeah, I wasn't familiar with him. I don't. He was in Prometheus. Oh, yeah, I never saw that. Okay. I think I also saw him in the movie. Uh, yeah, he was in The Invitation as well, I believe. I don't remember that one either. Uh, Writer-director Leigh Waddell is probably most famous for writing Saw. James Wan directed Saw, but Leigh Waddell yeah. wrote it, and he also plays Adam in Saw, which he's like the worst actor in that movie. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad he's... Although I looked at his credits, and he still makes appearances in different movies as an actor. Maybe he's improved. I don't know, but... Because he seems like he's in all the Insidious movies and uh, a few other movies as well. Yeah, I don't know. I've I only don't... seen a S- Insidious one. I haven't seen any of those. But I think he wrote... I don't know if he just appears in ones that he wrote. Because I think he wrote a lot of those movies. Yep. And then I don't know if he also directed some of them or not. But So this isn't really a horror movie. It seems like ho- horror is kind of his genre. Yeah. Um, so maybe this is a little bit of a departure for him, but um, like I said, I thought it was really done, well done. The visuals, I agree, were fantastic. The world that they they built for this movie in the not so distant future looks something that conceivably could be real within the next like twenty years. Yeah, it seems to me like it's about twenty years in the future. Yeah, it's very realistic. The only thing is, uh, there's an Elon Musk type character who doesn't have a front door. <laughs> people just walk in <laughs> well you gotta know where to find it because he like he like lives underground at the beach and then there's like two stones leaned up against each other that you walk through and then you walk down just there's just a staircase flights of, you know one one really long flight of stairs and then you're in his living room <laughs> <laughs> pretty much well it seemed like there was some screen doors almost like sliding doors maybe maybe bulletproof maybe they just they just didn't show any of the doors because it it was such a long walk down there yeah plus he has security up the wazoo at that place i'm sure right he knows when somebody drives up on him well he had like surveillance on everything yeah well the city had surveillance on everything too they were using drones police drones just monitoring the city yep which uh, didn't always seem the most effective. But then again, what are you going to get from the police? Yeah, a lot of the stuff doesn't seem too far off. It's not like there's flying cars everywhere. There's a lot of you know, self-driving cars. Yeah. But there was a mix of both. Yeah. There's, not everyone had one. Yeah, there were, there were like the, the wealthier people had the self-driving cars. And then there were still some older model cars, you know, manual, uh, not not like manual transmission, but like you physically had to drive the car. Mm-hmm. And then the main character, uh, Gray, his business is restoring, restoring old classic cars. And that's how he gets involved with the uh, Elon Musk type character. His name's even Aaron, and they spelled E-R-O-N in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit on the nose. <laughs> so, But... Uh, yeah, once, like I said, once they get into it and he's going out there, um, the way they did the fight scenes, I thought the way they filmed it was some of the best that I've seen in recent action movies. I did read that what they did was they they synced up the camera with a phone planted somewhere on the main actor's uh, person in his pocket or whatever so that he was always in the center of the screen. 
when when you watch it, you kind of notice that, and that's different. It focuses just on the main character, and as opposed to trying to keep like all the characters in focus mm-hmm. and and spaced on the screen, you know, evenly. So that was a little bit different. They really didn't do a lot of quick cuts, which I appreciate too. Yeah. Um, you know, the overall action scenes were very well done. Yeah, it's a bit jarring at first because you're not used to that kind of thing necessarily. Yeah, and I think that that's probably by design. Yeah. Um, because the character himself is kind of jarred by it. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if you're as a viewer jarred by it. Uh, you know, you're kind of feeling what the character's feeling. Yeah, the camera kind of mimics the character. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it explores a lot of themes regarding, you know, artificial intelligence and humans' relationship with it. Oh, That yeah. sort of thing. So if you're into that kind of stuff, you know, check this out. Um, or if you like action movies. Yeah. You know. It's definitely pretty bloody at some parts. Yeah. It's pretty gory. <laughs> but... uh other than that, I think uh, this is kind of in between for me, but you know, I think I will give it a soonish. What say you? I was thinking eventually, but okay. Um, I have no problem if you want to put soonish. I was kind of thinking eventually too. At the same time, like going into this, I'm like, I don't know if I should do eventually or soonish. Because right. it's the way you you seem to like it so much that you're going to give it a soonish, and I was like, well, if I get it eventually, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the thing is, it's it's a lot of fun and it's really enjoyable. But um, the fact that you've kind of seen all the different elements in mm-hmm. so many other movies kind of diminishes it for me. Yeah, that's why I was thinking eventually. But I mean, it's definitely worth seeing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do a final judgment of eventually. How about that? All right. Eventually. Was it over the moon? But. I was highly entertained, and I had seen it on some top ten lists on the interwebs, so I was kind of hyped for it. I wouldn't say it disappointed, but it just, you know, it didn't exceed my expectations. It was just like, yeah, it's a pretty fucking sweet movie. That's about it. Yeah, I had, uh, my brother recommended it to me, um, and I was surprised at how well it did as far as um, reviews went, as far as you know critics ratings because yeah i didn't really expect it to be rated so highly Mm -hmm. so but it is is uh is worth watching for sure all right what else did you watch i watched a movie called a star is born oh good for you and how was it and i it was the 1937 (laughs) (laughs) version 1937 version of A Star is Born, which is the original. Oh, yeah? Yep. So it was uh, directed by William A. Wellman and an uncredited Jack Conway. It stars Janet Gaynor, Frederick March, Adolph Manjou, Mae Robson, Andy Devine, Lionel Standard, uh, Owen Moore. That's about all the big characters. And the synopsis, a young woman comes to Hollywood with dreams of stardom, but achieves them only with the help of an alcoholic leading man whose best days are behind him. I thought this was fantastic. Obviously, it's... But can you answer this question? Is it better than the hot chick? (laughs) 
I would say yes. <laughs> For last episode, I would say it's better. After you watch the hot chick, it's you go back to chick. 1937 for the original Star is Born. <laughs> so, so my plan was to to watch all four Star is Borns, and I I watched the first one, and I have the second one on my DVR, and then whenever the TCM shows the third one again, I'll watch that, and then I'll watch the new one when that's on HBO or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously. Since it's been remade so many times, it's a great story. I really thought it was well done, very well written, very well acted. The characters are characters that you care about. It's got you know drama, humor, romance. It, it's got a moral to it. Um, the theme throughout is you, you can have dreams, but if you chase them, get ready to have your heart broken one way or another. And really doesn't matter what your dreams are or what the result of you chasing them is. You're going to get your heart broken either way. And, you know, it's a cautionary tale for people in Hollywood. It kind of is. Yeah. Um, Even back in 1937, like one of the early scenes is Janet Gaynor's character goes out to central casting to be an extra in the movie. And they say, well, we got, you know, we're booked up for the next six months. You know, we have waiting lists. You know, a thousand people long. So you might as well just take a job in the uh, phone exchange or whatever. Um, So even back then, you know, in the early days of Hollywood, it was just as cutthroat as it is today. It's in Technicolor. Mm. And uh, I read it. It was one of the first, like, really big Technicolor hits. Because it was one of the first Technicolor movies that used realistic color tones. Hmm. Whereas other movies that used Technicolor... Like Wizard of Oz? Like, <laughs> fake as fuck. Well, Wizard of Oz came out two years later, so... I suppose, 39. Yeah. So, to add it all up, you know, it's a classic. It's It stands the test of time. It doesn't seem aged at all to me, you know? Hmm. You know, there's a few things that are, are dated in there, but overall... Doesn't seem like it's aged. Um, it's a great story, which has been redone a lot of times. Uh, well written, well acted. I'm going to give it an ASAP. Oh, ASAP, he says. ASAP. That means now. We don't hear that on the show often. No, but I, I think this one definitely warrants it. Okay. Considering it's a classic. That's so relevant even now that they've remade it. Three more times. <laughs> so, next film I'm going to talk about is Velvet Buzzsaw from 2019. Came out on Netflix just a week or two ago. You're in the future. Yep. 2019. We're living the future, Brett. <laughs> it was directed by Dan Gilroy, whose last movie was Nightcrawler. He also wrote uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire for some reason. I Remember haven't that seen that. Have you seen Near that? Nearby. That was the one movie that came out in 2017 where it was nominated for things, and it was like, did anybody see that? I remember seeing it advertised, and it, it looks decent. Yeah. I, and I've had it, uh, I've recorded it a few times. I just never watched it. Like, every time I think maybe I should watch that Roman J. Israel movie, I find something else to watch. Yeah. I think that it's just the title that probably throws people off. Well, it's, I don't know. It's Denzel as a, 
as an attorney. It's a biopic. Yeah. And it looks like, you know, Denzel kind of doing his acting thing, you know. Like, yeah. Like trying hard and being a character actor. Yep. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, the cast includes Jake Gyllenhaal, Rene Russo, uh, Za Ashton, or Zawi, Z-A-W-E. How'd you say that? Zowie? Maybe. Tom Sturridge, Tony Collette, Natalia Dyer, David Diggs. Oh, you ran out and saw that Tony Collette movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Malkovich is in here. Billy Magnuson. That's about it for the main cast. Storyline. After a series of paintings by an unknown artist are discovered, a supernatural force enacts revenge on those who have allowed their greed to get in the way of art. So I was pretty pumped for this movie ever since it was kind of announced that it was coming out, like I say, last fall probably. So I was a huge fan of Nightcrawler. And so he brings Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo back from that. And uh, so it was going to be a horror movie involving, I guess, the art community. I was probably a little disappointed, but it's also a movie I think I'll like a lot more with subsequent viewings. I don't even remember hearing about it till you brought it up. Yeah. It's one of those Netflix movies. It wasn't uh I mean Bird advertised Box. like Bird Box. Bird Box. They advertised on real TV. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I didn't see anything. Is the title just a, one of those bullshit titles or is there an actual Velvet Buds buzzsaw? Yeah, a Velvet Buzzsaw is the name of, it's not really a spoiler, it's the name of Rene Russo's punk band that she was in growing up. Oh. Her character in the movie. Okay, so it actually does tie into something. And she has a tattoo that says Velvet Buzzsaw. Oh my. I wonder what a Velvet Buzzsaw is. Like, <laughs> is it a Buzzsaw made of velvet, or is it a Buzzsaw that cuts velvet? <laughs> it's made purely to cut velvet and nothing else. <laughs> Velvet's <laughs> such a tough material to get through. I wonder if they ever toured with Velvet Revolver <laughs> or the Velvet Underground. Yeah. Or any other band with Velvet in its name. Or Isabella Rossellini from Blue Velvet. <laughs> she wore Blue Velvet. <laughs> it was a weird movie. <laughs> it's an incredible movie. Uh, so this one, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal plays have an art critic who people kind of rely on for his reviews to make their art a hit hmm. financially. So, so he's got to tell people whether art is good or not. Pretty much, yep. Uh, Rene Russo kind of runs this museum, not art gallery, not a museum. Yeah, she runs this art gallery, and uh, John Malkovich is another artist associated with that gallery along with some others like david diggs is a artist they're trying to sign tony collette is i think a curator that she uh she kind of helps with the gallery a little bit but she kind of freelances as well definite symbolism and themes throughout this movie regarding art and what is art and kind of the bougie art crowd yeah and how they they don't really know what art is type of thing Mm-hmm. Money or greed can poison art, that sort of thing. It's kind of a commentary on the art world and I guess art in general. 
It's like that Banksy piece that got sold at auction and then it shredded itself. Do you remember <laughs> that? I don't you, think so. Did you see that? It was at auction. They're selling a Banksy painting or something. And uh, it sold for like a million dollars. And then as soon as they sold it, it just started like coming down in the frame and then it was being shredded as it fell, you know, came down. <laughs> like you had a, a shredder, a paper shredder in the bottom of the frame and then like somebody hit it by remote and uh, the thing came down and it shredded itself. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Million dollars. So, so they were a little disappointed by that. But then some people said, well, it's probably worth more now. Yeah. Just have an empty frame with... You could with, post up the the shred or the clippings, I yeah. guess. Well, it did, I like stopped. I don't think it went all the way through. Like it stopped at a certain point, but like three fourths or more of it was shredded and just hanging out the bottom. Mm. Yeah, I could see that still being worth a lot of money. <laughs> Pretty fragile, though. Yeah. Good luck trying to transport that. Well, if you sell it again. Yeah, that's true. How are you gonna box that up? Just put it in a like a glass box. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, there's a lot of unique art exhibits at this gallery. There's interactive ones. There's just regular paintings. But, um, yeah, it is delve into the horror territory. It's kind of a, I guess, a slow burn in that regard. Okay. But uh, there's there's some good humor in there. Jake Gyllenhaal is pretty funny in certain parts. I will give it an eventually. Eventually. What else did you see, Brett? So I saw something that uh, I think you talked about and Jones talked about. It's from 2018, and it's called Avengers Infinity War. Mm. Do I need to read all the details on this? I mean, come on. Everybody knows what it's about, right? Avengers <laughs> Infinity War. I guess you can skip it this time since we've it's all the gone usual over it in two previous episodes. It's all the usual suspects from yep. Marvel. Pretty much everybody. Let's read the storyline again. <laughs> all right. The Avengers and their allies must be willing to sacrifice all in an attempt to defeat the powerful Thanos before his blitz of devastation and ruin puts an end to the universe. Dun, dun, dun. Now, uh, full disclosure, I haven't seen most of the Marvel movies. The most recent ones I'd seen were the two Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and then before that... Maybe the first Iron Man. We saw Black Panther as well. Oh, I did see Black Panther, which yeah. I didn't quite care for. Uh, this movie, Avengers Infinity Wars, they don't waste time. It's right into it, <laughs> which I I appreciated not having to sit through a whole bunch of backstory before they got into it. <laughs> you know, there's some things in there where you're like, well, I don't really understand that reference, but you know, overall, I I got the general concept of what was going on, mm-hmm. and I picked up enough of the, you know, the different kind of things that were going on based on this movie by itself. So, it really didn't hurt not seeing the other movies. So, if you're worried about that, uh, I wouldn't. But I thought this movie was pretty awesome. One of the best comic book movies I've seen in a long time. And as somebody who doesn't watch a lot of them, because they don't really, like, nothing really has appealed to me that much recently. But I wanted to see this one because it's kind of the culmination of everything. Uh, And it was so popular and people talked about it so much that 
I wanted to see for myself, you know, what what's the buzz about. And I thought it was really good, you know. The characters that I knew, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy, mostly, I really enjoyed their scenes. Right on point with the comedy, uh, which is what they're known for. Um, even the characters that I didn't think I would care that much about, uh, like, you know, Thor and Doctor Strange and, and all them. You know, they, they were all good, too. Um, so, uh, great action scenes. Just a lot of fun throughout. I, I'd give it a soonish. So you give it a soonish, huh? Yeah. Soonish. I gave it an eventually. Jones gave it a last resort. So I think we'll meet it right in the middle. <laughs> Jones, Jones fell on. asleep, though. He doesn't <laughs> Actually, um. Or did he rewatch it? I think he. Well. well I thought he said he fell asleep, like, in the middle. I think, well, he fell asleep in Justice League because when I was over at Alex and Sam's a few months ago, I brought that up. We were talking about, I think it was right after I had finally seen it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. it was all right. And, uh, well, they were like, yeah. And I was like, well, what the hell, Jones? You said it, it kind of sucked. Like, you didn't, you fell asleep. He's like, I didn't fall asleep. Got I uh, loaded up the episode. Yeah. We fast forwarded to it and... He was like, yeah, it's fine, but it's just a lot of, you know, CGI stuff, flying to CGI stuff. They talk about the action going on a little yeah. long. He didn't fall asleep. But he's like, yeah, it's all right. You know, it's fine. But he's just not that into most superhero movies. I thought that was the one he fell asleep for. No, I guess it was Justice League. I, I thought it was too. I don't know. but um, Yeah, I don't know. Normally, uh, you know, I would kind of be the same way. Like, oh, it's just... Like, with a lot of the, like, Justice League and Batman vs. Superman, like, there was a lot of that just, you know, big CGI things running into each other and yep. whatever. And uh, this one, I didn't think it was as much of that. You know, it was a lot more, I don't know if I want to say nuanced, but it was more cerebral uh, in the action movie, uh, action scenes, I thought. Like, it wasn't just mindless violence or whatever. Um, I guess there was, towards the end, there was one scene that was kind of like that, where they just had all the, like, you know, non-playable characters come in and get killed. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Spoilers. <laughs> all the all the Foot Clan came in, all the the, the putty or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> so there, there is a scene like that where they, the, it is kind of mindless, and it's just, you know, nonstop just, you know, hammering the same looking characters over and over again. But like the stuff with Thanos, I thought was really well done. You know, they kind of humanized him, uh, in a lot of ways and and made him somewhat sympathetic as a villain, which a lot of other superhero movies don't do that. At least the ones I've seen. It's just like, this guy's a bad dude. He's a hundred percent bad. We have to stop him. At least, you know, this one, like I said, Thanos, they kind of humanized him and, you know, he's got not maybe a good reason for doing what he's doing, but like he's got uh, beliefs that he's on the right side of history, you know. So you're a Thanos apologist is what you're saying. (laughs) No, I'm saying that he's a more interesting character (laughs) because of it. I'm not saying that I want him to win, (laughs) but... uh, but he'll save humanity in the long run. <laughs> you know, he's 
is gonna it's taking a moral high ground whether he deserves it or not yeah. and uh i think uh other comic book movies could kind of take a a cue from that and maybe make their their villains a little more three-dimensional but i really enjoyed it uh which i was somewhat surprised at uh i was hoping i would enjoy it but uh it exceeded my expectations all right the last film i'm going to talk about is a documentary from 2017 called gilbert it's directed by Neil Berkeley. You fool! <laughs> Did you ever uh, see that Hollywood Squares where he was on there? That he kept. Well, he was on a lot of Hollywood Squares. Well, there's the one where he kept fucking with the two people and, like, he'd get, convince them that he was either saying the right answer or the wrong answer, mm-hmm. but he was doing the opposite. Yeah. And they'd always either, you know, they they'd believe they'd him. fall into it. And he would yell, you fool, after every time. <laughs> he did it like ten times in a row. <laughs> yeah, this is a documentary about uh, Gilbert Gottfried and his life. Uh, typically a very private person. Uh, what you see on stage is not really what he's like in real life. His voice is similar, but not altogether the same. He pretty much yells more yeah. on stage. But... Uh, yeah, I guess the synopsis says Gilbert is a wildly funny and unexpectedly poignant portrait of the life and career of one of comedy's most iconic figures, Gilbert Gottfried. So obviously the stars Gilbert Gottfried, but I'm just going to list a bunch of the comedians that appear in it. Uh, Dave Attell, Joy Behar, <laughs> Richard Belzer, Louis Black, Bill Burr, Dick Van Dyke, Susie Essman, Jim Gaffigan, Judy Gold, Whippy Goldberg, Arsenio Hall, Anthony Jeselnik, Penn Jillette, Artie Lang, Jay Leno, Richard Kind, Howie Mandel, Patton Oswalt. There's a bunch more. But I've always loved Gilbert Gottfried on the roast and other things that I've seen him in. There's a documentary called The Aristocrats. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's a documentary about, I guess, the world's dirtiest joke yeah it's a very shitty joke where the uh, the the basis of the joke is sometimes literally yeah (laughs) um well not literally but you know the basis of the joke is a family walks into a talent agency the talent agent says okay what could you do and the family starts so doing certain yeah. things like usually it ends up with the family having sex with each other and sometimes animals are involved and it so it was like incest and shit and blood. And it, the the point of the joke is to make it as disgusting as you can. Mm-hmm. Provide as much disgusting detail as you can. And then the joke ends with... What do you call your act? The aristocrats. Yeah. And the, that's the punchline. It's, it's like an anti-joke, but it's kind of famous for back in the day, like celebrities would have parties that they would tell these jokes at till you know six in the morning they talk about parties at chevy chase's house where they would have competitions and people go up one after the other telling the same joke but trying to be dirtier than the person before or size length is also considered to how good it is you know if you could go on for an hour or two hours describing what's going on it's like a inside joke for comedians yeah 
like they'll be the first to tell you the joke sucks, but it's kind of like a thing they do in the in the green room or in, when they're by them kind of by themselves joking around back and forth. Uh, Godfrey did a very famous version of the aristocrats joke at uh, the Hugh Hefner roast, which was about two weeks after 9-11 happened. And he stepped up to the mic and said something along the lines of, I would have gotten here quicker, but I couldn't get a direct flight. They had to make a stop at the Empire State Building. And there was some booing and somebody yelled out like, too soon. And so like they interview a lot of comedians about that and talking about how the room was not responding to that. Right away, Gilbert dug himself a hole. And so he decides to get himself out of that hole, he's going to tell an aristocrat's joke. And he just starts into this disgusting aristocrat's joke. And it gets worse and worse. And that's what he does. He kind of digs himself out, where by the end of it, everyone's rolling around laughing. So he kind of brings the audience back that way. Mm. They talked about how kind of cathartic it was to hear that a couple of weeks after... 9-11 because people needed to laugh and people were weren't sure what they could joke about and yeah or if they could joke about certain things but you get a real sense of who gilbert is as a person he's still pretty guarded but he is he's a lot of quirks about him he will not pretty much go anywhere any hotel without taking all of the soaps all the shampoos Pretty much all the free shit he can get. And he hoards it all. He's a huge hoarder. His Rubbermaid's just filled with soap and shampoo and deodorant and toothpaste. He just saves fucking everything. But it's cool to see him interact with his family, his wife Dara, and his two children, boy and a girl. Still pretty young. Uh, you get to see him on the road telling jokes. You kind of get behind the scenes stories from certain people anecdotes about him get to meet his family i guess you know the the members that are still living of course you know where he's from where he grew up so if you're into gilbert Gottfried at all or if you're not the biggest fan of his comedy it's still pretty eye-opening documentary i'd say and i will give it an eventually eventually there you go yep there it is so i think that'll do it for this episode we're gonna get down and record in Space Jam in a little bit. So uh, reach out to us. Brett's got a Twitter handle now. There you now. go, at PositivelyWolf1. <laughs> Can't wait till next week when you have one new follower. You're Ooh. like, hey, that paid off. Twitter, Twitter says I got 10. I need to celebrate. <laughs> I'm sure I'll have more by the time this drops, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, you can follow <laughs> the show's Twitter at watchthis underscore movie. Check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. Please rate and review and subscribe on iTunes and or Stitcher. We're also on many other podcast apps. Just search us on there and we'll probably show up. And you can email us at WatchThisMovie at Yahoo.com. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.